0: Taking a deep dive into the latest iteration of the NIST Cybersecurity Framework, coming up in the ISMG Security Report. Hello, I'm Eric Chabro. We're devoting today's security report to the NIST Cybersecurity Framework, taking a detailed look into the latest version of the Framework for Improving Critical Infrastructure Cybersecurity developed by the National Institute of Standards and Technology. Last week, NIST issued the second draft of the framework, version 1.1. Normally, a revision known as 1.1 represents minor adjustments to the original document. That's not the case with the cybersecurity framework. NIST is making substantial changes to the framework. Fundamentally, the framework is being re-architected to place greater emphasis on one of the initial goals of the document, integrating cyber risk into an enterprise's business processes. Here's Matt Barrett. He's the Cybersecurity Framework Lead at NIST.
1: The linkage between cybersecurity and organizational objectives is well known and such that organizational decisions are better staged in consideration of cybersecurity. That's the type of dialogue we want to have. And ultimately, any More specific things, that hooks, so to speak, that need to be built into framework. We'll evaluate those as we go, and we'll talk about how best to integrate those into future versions.
0: The framework is seen as a living, breathing document that will evolve over the years. That's a point made by the venerable law firm's Ari Schwartz. He's a former top cybersecurity advisor in the Obama White House. Schwartz spoke at last year's ISMG Breach Prevention Summit in Washington.
1: When you're a CEO or board member looking at these issues and you're told, well, our liability in this space is over here, but our security spend is over here because we actually think that that actually protects us from security better than where the liability stands. They they need to worry about where the liability is. And one of the things that the framework did was help to merge those closer together so that you're looking at the things that you could be liable for in the future are very similar to the things, places where you have liability. It's not a complete overlap. And the question is, how do we get it closer to being a complete overlap? I think what you're hearing is more ideas of getting those two things closer together, which is a healthy discussion we're having at this point. But the fact that people do feel as though the framework got us closer to those two overlapping is really the, the, the benefit of what came from it.
0: And bringing together those overlaps is what the latest version of the framework seeks. But before we get into the weeds of the latest draft, first some background on the cybersecurity framework. President Obama in February 2013 issued an executive order directing NIST working with the private sector to lead the development of the framework to reduce cyber risks to the nation's critical infrastructure. A year later, NIST published the framework that consists of standards, methodologies, procedures, and processes that align policy, business, and technological approaches to address cyber risks. The framework is voluntary. Critical infrastructure operators decide for themselves whether or not to adopt it. Larry Clinton is president of the industry trade group, the Internet Security Alliance, and he's been one of the more vocal critics of the original cybersecurity framework. Clinton contrasts the original document with the latest draft of the framework.
2: One of the major advances in the current iteration is that they have altered their aim from just use of the framework to effective use of the framework. That's very, very key. And in particular, effectiveness will be correlated to the business goals and objectives of the individual organization. That's really critical because that begins to move us towards the other requirement in the original executive order, which was that the framework was supposed to be cost effective. For the private sector to use this tool, the private sector needs to know that it is an effective tool. And in fact, it is cost effective. It makes economic sense within the context of their business. And what they have done with this iteration of the framework is they have said, we need to be more focused now on what is effective use of the framework and that that needs to be determined not in some generic sense, but on an individualized basis based on individual organizations' unique threat picture, business plan, environment, sector, etc., etc.
0: When we return after this brief message, we'll hear more from this lead on the cybersecurity framework, Matt Barrett.
1: When we abstracted Framework Up so it was good for 16 highly varied critical infrastructure sectors, what we did in the process is abstract Framework Up so that it was also good outside of critical infrastructure.
0: You're listening to the ISMG Security Report on ISMG Radio. ISMG, your number one source for information security news.
1: ISMG's 2018 global events will take place in over 100 cities across four continents. Don't miss the opportunity to meet with over 5,000 senior information security professionals and leading technology vendors from around the world to discuss the most pressing cybersecurity issues we face today. Visit events.ismg.io today.
0: We're back with Matt Barrett. He's the Cybersecurity Framework Lead at the National Institute of Standard and Technology. That's the U.S. Department of Commerce's unit that created the framework with advice from a variety of stakeholders, including the operators of the nation's critical infrastructure and other businesses. Barrett points out that among the major changes in the latest version of the Cybersecurity Framework is how it addresses supply chain IT risk management. We've
1: expanded a previously existing section, which is about communicating cybersecurity requirements to stakeholders. We expanded that section greatly to more explicitly talk about the circumstance of expressing those requirements to suppliers and how one might do that with cybersecurity framework. We've also built out a simple entity diagram that shows the various parties, buyers and suppliers in technology and also not in technology, but that might have an effect on technology We've also built out that entity diagram so people have a basic vocabulary to use in talking about the various parties that are involved in the cyber supply chain of a given organization. And we've integrated cyber supply chain concepts into the implementation tiers and the the criteria at tiers one, two, three, and
0: four. The implementation tiers reflect a progression from informal, reactive responses to approaches that are agile and risk-informed. Enterprises consider their current risk management practices, threat environment, legal and regulatory requirements, mission objectives, and organizational constraints when deciding which tier to pursue. The latest version of the framework also elevates the importance of authentication than did the earlier version
1: authentication was implied before, but it was not explicitly called out and called out in a specific standalone subcategory and certainly authentication very important. So that was an omission of sorts. We remedied that with the addition of a subcategory. We also added a subcategory around an organization's coordination vulnerabilities that are disclosed to them among many other sources through the research community. And this is really meant to acknowledge the importance and emergence of coordinated vulnerabilities. Disclosure and how that affects a given organization.
0: The Cybersecurity Framework has caught the attention of a wide range of organizations, not just those managing critical infrastructure. Even before changes being made to the latest version of the framework, organizations in and out of government are adopting it, including enterprises overseas. In an executive order, President Trump earlier this year ordered federal agencies to adopt the framework.
1: The applicability of framework is indeed far beyond critical infrastructure. When we abstracted framework up so it was good for 16 highly varied critical infrastructure sectors, what we did in the process is abstract framework up so that it was also good outside of critical infrastructure. And so we see that in adoption by organizations such as those affiliated with the National Restaurant Association. That's an example of a non-CI sort of adopter. There are work products by National Restaurant Association and others that are out there in the ecosystem, you know, more formally acknowledging framework and its value. Executive Order 13800, which one way of phrasing it, mandated federal use, is another example of that. It was an acknowledgement that framework is valuable in this space. And in fact, there were some parties in the federal government that were already using framework when 13800 was published in May of 2017.
0: To attest to its growing popularity, vendors seek to exploit the framework by tailoring the security tools they offer.
1: We are indeed seeing pretty tremendous uptake in GRC vendor space. The service provider community or productized service, that's another space where we're seeing a lot of uptake.
0: I asked Barrett, does anything surprise him regarding the growing acceptance of the cybersecurity framework?
1: Certainly, the stories of colleges and continuing education programs, embracing the framework and integrating it into their curriculum. Not only their curriculum within individual classes, but the large, broader curriculum, the class structure itself. That was something that I didn't anticipate right out of the gates. There's other uses of framework that I've ran into along the way where not only are people using the language of framework within their policies, there are some organizations who have taken that to the next level and they are structuring all of their policy around the framework core itself. They have a policy on identify, a policy on protect, a policy on access control. They're using the elements of the core as the structure for their policy. That's an interesting and and very specific use of framework that I never thought I would see, but there are some organizations who who are doing that.
0: you think that's a good thing
1: I think so. It maximizes the power of the accessible vocabulary and it also maximizes the alignment value proposition of framework framework as it would be institutionalized and used for distribution of labor. That's not something I anticipated. And some people may view that as a sensational length. I think that is maximizing the value proposition of framework. So I'm excited about that.
0: That's Matt Barrett, the cybersecurity framework lead at NIST. And that's the ISMG Security Report. Our theme is by Ithaca Audio. I'm Eric Chabro. Catch you next time.